Um, on Friday, it's going to be Good Friday, um, and we know what happened you know, on Friday, but we know that Sunday is a coming. And so this week, we're going to talk about that journey, that journey that, that Christ took as he walked this earth, that as he went before um, you know, the, the courts and was found guilty um, and was um, sentenced to crucifixion. And so today we're going to talk briefly about that, what that looked like, what that looked like um, as he journeyed towards the cross. And as he was stripped, he was stripped of his clothes, his garments, and then he was tied to a pole. And back in um, Roman times, um, which they were kind of in rule, they ruled the area, and so they were actually the ones that was, you know, sentencing to this. They were actually fulfilling the the order, and so they got a this um, this whip, what we call the cat of nine tails. Right, it's this whip that has leather, you know, many many different leather pieces coming down that make up this whip, and at the end there's metal, there's glass. Just all these things that can do a lot of damage. So Jesus is in the, the court. I mean, like they could, like the townspeople could see this going on. Um, for one, they, they wanted, you know, this is like their, their capital punishment. So they wanted people to know, hey, if you break our laws, this is what's going to happen to you. I don't know about y'all, but if that happened here in Salisbury, like I, I, would, I would fear going outside because I didn't want to break law because I didn't want to be crucified. I'm glad we don't have crucifixions anymore. Right? But that's how it was. And so he is stripped. He's tied to this pole. And so he, you know, is, for one, he's, he's humiliated you know, because you're out in the public and you're exposed. You know, all your outer garments. I mean, can you imagine me or someone else being in public and just in our whitey tighties? Right? That would be humiliating. So he's got that going on. But then they take and they whip him. And so according to the law, Jews can only whip Jew. A person that is um, ordering as a Jew to whip can only do 40 times. But according to Roman law, it doesn't matter. So they're whipping the king of the Jews. <sighs> And what's happening, though, imagine this, um, all these glass particles and, and the, the metal hitting him like a whip. And then it would just, and you're talking just chunks of skin just being ripped from his side and his back. And so just, you know, just imagine just the gore of this scene. Blood all on the ground. And he's taking it. I'm sure he's crying out. You know, and he, I mean, it, it hurt. So there he is. And he's hit. They say 39 times with these kind of nine tails. And so he is, I mean, he is just, just looks terrible. He's full of pain. The blood is just all over the place. I mean, chances are you can see, um, you know, the wounds, but you can see inside of the wounds as well. So just imagine just the outside being able to look in, and chances are you can see things that's supposed to be inside your body. Now it's starting to come out just because of the 
uh, how they whipped, um, whipped people back then. It was just horrible. But then, if that wasn't bad enough, then what they do is they take this beam, they call it a crossbar, and then they, he has to journey what they call the dead man walking. Because he's tired. I mean, he's been beaten 39 times. And then they tie this cross beam. Right, a lot of times people assume that he's like carrying the cross, right? It actually wasn't necessarily that. He was actually tied. He had a rope here, rope here, and talking about a six-foot beam. Um, to, to put it in to our just thinking. Have anybody familiar with railroad beams, right, that goes across the railroad and this big, thick chunks of wood? Or I use them in my garden and things like that around the house. They're, they're heavy. Six-foot section. It is, it is heavy. And he's tied to that. And he's forced to carry this down the road in the center of town, going through, heading to Golgotha. And I mean, he's just been whipped. And he's having to go through the town and carry this. But he does. And he gets help along the way. We know in the story, the gospel story, he does get some help. And he goes and he helps carry Jesus to be executed. And so then we, we see him in the gospel story. Jesus goes and he's placed on a cross, okay? And the crucifixion, what, what that looks like, it could look like a tree. It could be a beam, a vertical beam that's out in the middle. We don't know all those details with that. We just know that that beam was then put on either a tree or a, another vertical beam, okay? Where people could see it. They could see this execution. And so then... He's untied from that crossbeam, but then he is nailed, all right? So I want you to imagine what this crucifixion looks like, okay? A lot of times we think that, you know, Jesus is, is placed, you know, pierced through, through his hands, but it was more like, I've looked at doctors' explanations of this and um, even how, how they think that it would look like, and going back to um, the way the Romans wrote about these things and executions, it was probably not there. And here's why. It can't withstand the weight. Like you put a, a nail through your hand, chances are you won't be able to stand up on and have be on the cross like that. So what they did was they put them through his wrist, right below the hand. But they chose to go in between this artery right here and this artery right here. Because if, if you hit an artery, you're going to bleed out really, really fast. So what they do is they put it right through there. What's right there? Bone, okay. A another thing is there, and it's called one of your main nerves. All right? So he is being pierced through one of the main nerves. And so he is feeling excruciating pain as they put this six-inch to seven-inch nail through his skin, going through the, the wrist and hitting the nerve. But right there, it, it's holding him up. It's holding him up. And so then he is placed with a seat. Uh, they would put a seat on, on the, uh, the cross. A lot of times in, in our Western culture, we tend to have the seat at the feet. 
That would not be how they would do that. They would actually have a seat where he would sit down on, right? And so he is sitting there. Then they would take his feet and they would put the right foot over the left foot. And they would drive the nail, the six to seven inch nail, through both feet, right? As I, I can't hardly do it, but, and that would hold the weight of his, his body. And so the seat acted as the support because you don't die from an execution by the blood, by, by just bleeding out most of the time. You die because you, you are just so tired and you lose your breath because with each inhale and exhale, it would lift himself up, up from that seat and then go back down. And we know through the, through the gospel story is that Jesus was up there and he is, he is crying out. And you hear from that video that I shared, he is crying out, you know, Father, why have you forsaken me? Right? He is in pain. He's humiliated. And then they go and the Roman soldiers dips the sponge-like thing into this wine, which was full of um, probably myrrh or frankincense, which was a common oil that they would use for painkillers. And they offer it to Jesus, and he refuses. He refuses to take painkillers refuses it because he goes through the suffering. The suffering of Christ was something that he knew about. He knew what was going to come. Because if you look at the gospel stories, you also see Jesus in the garden. And it says that he literally sweat drops of blood because he knew what was coming. He was preparing himself because he knew what was coming. And that Sunday, he was up on that cross and he cries out, it is finished. It is finished. It is done. And then to make sure that he was dead, the custom rule for, for the Romans was to take a spear, like a knife or something, and go up underneath his rib cage and pierce his heart. And in the gospel story, you, you hear how the blood or the water burst and spilt out. And he was declared dead for sure then. And so Jesus was crucified. We talked about a couple of weeks ago as we talked about Jesus as king, how he was, you know, Pilate ordered this and, you know, people were saying crucify him. And here we are in the middle of this public area and Jesus is now crucified because he is called the king of the Jews. Right? And luckily next week, right? I'm going to let you wait until next week to hear what happened next. He didn't stay dead. That's the good news. He didn't stay dead. Our king is alive. And so next week we're going to um, rejoice that we serve a king who was dead but now is fully alive. And so today... I want to spend some time in Isaiah 33, 1 through 5. And I want y'all to think about what I just said from the Gospels. It is finished. It is finished. Isaiah 35, um, we're going to pick up on uh, verse 3 through 5. Yeah, 3 through 5. Sorry, I didn't. 
tell you all been on at the computer. Um, but remember, it is finished. All right. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. So you think about um, you know, that word, that last word. You know, I talk about the it is finished from the gospel narrative. By his wounds, we are healed. And so today, we're talking about how Jesus is healer. Jesus is our healer. And it says, by his wounds, we are healed. And what I, why I say that about thinking about it is finished. Because what that is, that verb tense there is perfect. Anybody heard of the perfect tense? Right? The perfect tense there is basically saying when Jesus said it is finished, he is saying the past, the present, and the future, it is finished. That perfect tense is saying past, present, future is completely finished. What he did on the cross, finished. And why I wanted you to think and meditate on that was because here it says... Um, by his wounds, we are healed. We see another perf perfect tense verb there, healed. He is saying, we are healed. Past, present, and future, we are healed. He has been healing. He continues to heal. And he will continue to heal throughout the rest of the uh, existence and on in. He is healing. And continuing to heal him. And he is our healer. We know him through um, the Hebrew scriptures. That he is Jehovah Rapha. The Lord that heals. Right? He has been healing from the Old Testament to new. He is our healer. This isn't something new. Jesus just didn't come on the scene. And uh, show up and he was, he was the only healer. You know, to ever. No. He was the embodied version of God. But God has been healing for a very, very long time. And so we're going to talk about that today. If Jesus is our healer, how does that look? What does that look for us? And so today we're going to talk about how miracle or not, your healing starts today. Amen. Miracle or not, your healing starts now. See, when we think about healing, we typically think about miracles of the Bible, right? Jesus touched people, and he was completely healed. But guess what? Jesus did things and healed people outside of miracles. All right. Come on. It doesn't have to be a miracle, right? And you're like, this is blasphemy. What in the world is this? I've never heard this. Because typically we think healing is always connected to a miracle. But that's not the case. And I hope that I bring that to light. And so I remember um, 
and several years back, and I've shared this story with some of y'all. You know, I I just had this moment. You know, my my dad um, had cancer, and um, we were praying for healing for him. And that that healing on earth did not happen. That healing on earth didn't happen. It didn't come through. And he he passed away. I was there when he took his last, last breath. I took a, a handkerchief and wiped the blood from his, his mouth. I held him. And I read my, my favorite scripture to him. He who dwells in the Most High will find rest in the shelter of the Almighty. And I'm no, I am content knowing that my, my father is in heaven. Because I know his life. I know who he, he was at the end of his life. And who he committed his life to. But I was really frustrated because I was praying for his healing. I was frustrated as well because around that same time, I had some people in my life who had chronic pain. And I was praying for them. I was anointing them with oil and nothing was happening. Really frustrating. And I'm sure that several of y'all have been through those times where you're like, I've been praying for healing, but healing doesn't happen. I don't have all the answers to that. And that's okay. That's a tension there that needs to just be wrestled with within. You know, you, you're not going to have God completely figured out. We know through his word that he heals. Does he heal every, everyone? No, I don't understand that. But that's okay. I'm going to continue to do what the Lord tells me to do. And it says in his word to heal and say the kingdom of God is present. We know through the, the gospels that we are called to pray for the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. You know, we're called to that. We're commissioned to that. But Jesus heals. God heals. Dustin Wilson doesn't heal. Sure, there's things that, you know, science-specific studies that, you know, the laying on of hands has power. That there is scientific explanation that throughout our hands there is energy that, you know, when we touch people, it does make a difference. When we use oils and we anoint people, which has been going on throughout the ages, you know, these oils that we talk about all the time, you know, in our uh, conversations, they're nothing new. They've been around for centuries. And there's, there's research done that they are powerful. But the thing is, is that Jesus is in. God has to be in it. And he is going to heal through that. We're simply called to go out and heal the sick. Pray for them, anoint them. You know, when Jesus healed, what would he do? He would touch people, but then he would say, and even his disciples, right? They would go out, they would touch people, and they would, they would heal them. And he would say to them, all right, go to the priest. Why would he go to the priest? Why would you go to the priest? Why would you come to us, right? I guess you can call us priests, pastors, whatever you might be, you know, but why would you go to the religious leaders of that time to say that you were healed? Why wouldn't you go to the doctor? Because we know doctors were around. They were. Like most of the book of the New Testament is written by a doctor. 
Luke. Luke was a doctor. Wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. So the doctor was around. And even Luke himself says it. Right? A doctor says to do that. Because he sends you to the priest. Because in that custom, it was confirmed if your healing was true or not. Right? In that custom, they, they understood the law of God that talked about all these things about leprosy and, and about all the, the things that was custom to their belief. And so you would go to the priest to confirm whether or not you were healed. And so Jesus is saying, you know, he is the healer, of course, through his life and through what he did. But even him wanted to be, you know, to confirm a healing. Because I don't want, want you to get this picture that I'm saying that everybody you touch is going to be healed. Because that's not the case. It's not true of me and I'm sure it's not true of you. And I don't want you to think of when you hear healing, I don't want you to get this picture of what you see on TV. Because sometimes what you see on TV, yes, it might be true in some cases. Not arguing with that, but not everything. Because sometimes the healing might not have t taken place. Sometimes the healing was just a bunch of emotions that was just stirred up. But when God heals, it's real. I've seen healing take place. No, I didn't see my, my father healed on earth. But I've seen people healed of diseases, of pain. I've seen that in my life. You read about it in scripture. You read about it in even modern day stories of people being delivered and healed. But here it is. The Lord is Rapha. He is the one who heals. Jehovah Rapha. The one who heals. And that heal it says, in the past, present, and future. So how far back does healing start is my question. How far back does healing start? Was healing because, hey, I'm flawed? Was it because I sinned? Some would think so. But is it true? We'll see. And how far into the future does it go? Are we able to be healed on earth, but earth alone? Or does it go into the kingdom of, of God? Let's see. Let's ask that question. Let's let the Lord reveal himself through his word. And so let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. I'm going to um, put that verse up. But Genesis 1. Let's get the full context here. All right. So we got the creation story here. Genesis 1, 27. Okay, so um, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Full, um, rule over the, the fish of the seas and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then you see, then God said, I give, give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. They will be yours for food. 
for food. Huh. We think about that and we read that and we're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. So he gives us things to eat. Like he gives us Chick-fil-A and he gives us steak and you know those type things. But he's talking about food. But let's break it down. What is food here? There's this word here. Okla. Okla in the Hebrew literally means food, but also medicine and healing. Do you see that? Has the fall happened? No. This is at the beginning of creation. And God is saying, through your food, you can be healed. And so this healing that is talking about in Scripture and throughout God, you know, God healing, it started at the beginning of time, the beginning of God's creation. He had it set in place that even through our food, what we put into our body can bring us healing. But then we discover through the fall and things like that, that we can also overindulge. We can also put things in our foods. We can eat things that we shouldn't consume. And what happens? It doesn't bring healing. It doesn't bring well-being. It brings imbalance. Right? you messing up, preacher. <laughs> so, so food can bring healing. And so then if you go on, you can see in, in this um, Ezekiel where he is having this vision of what's to come. So we just talked about Genesis, how, how God had healing at the beginning in the garden at the beginning of time. And he saw that it was good and he said, there's healing in these food and, and the things that you eat. And what I also want to think about too with that, I'm sorry I went ahead too fast, was it's in the garden. But what did he say in the whole world? The thing is with man and, um, and God, they can come and go as they please in the garden during that time. But they were commissioned all over the world. So a lot of times we think, oh, healing was only in the garden. No, that's not the case. Healing was, it said, the whole world. So what we eat throughout the land. So that applies to us. Because, no, we weren't actually in the garden with God. But we're in the earth, the whole earth that he created. So guess what? The things that we see, that, that we eat from, the trees that we eat from, the fruit that we eat from, should be bringing healing. And so then you see this, this vision. The fruit trees of all kind will grow on both branches of the, of the river. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is a vision of the future. We heard from the past. Now we're on into the future. This, the leaves, will be our healing. For our healing. The food will serve for our healing. And so you see, the leaves of the tree are the okla of the nations. Of the nations. Where you hear that from also is in Revelation. John's Revelation talks about how the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. We see this tree at the end in his Revelation. And we know that we're to eat from it. And it's going to give us food. But it talks about it bringing healing. And so 
today I want you to see how this healing didn't start just in modern times. The healing didn't start just with Jesus. Jesus embodied, Jesus embodied the, the healing because Jesus, the Lord, the Son of God, was there in the beginning. Because we talk about the incarnation of God, right, through Jesus Christ coming down on earth. Well, if that's the case, then he was there at the beginning of time. The Son of God was there at the beginning of time, and he set up healing. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he embodies healing to the people that he preached to. And he embodies healing for the people that he was willing to die for, and that's us. He embodies healing, and he commissions us to go and heal and I love what um, Hippocrates, I actually posted this uh, on my Facebook a couple days ago. Your food, let your food be your medicine, and your medicine be your food. Wow. You know, that's how it was set up. It was set up to be like this. And I know I'm stepping on toes here because we all love to eat. We're from the West, and the West Westerners love to eat. But sometimes... The things that we put in our body does not apply to medicine. And sometimes we turn to medicine when we should just change the, what, what we're eating. Wow, come on, man. We, we, you know, I love modern day medicine, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, and I'm not rebuking modern day medicine by no means, because we need it. Because I had the flu a week ago, and I needed that, that Tamiflu. You know, I, I wanted to get well fast. But, you know, there's things that we put in our food that can be harmful. And so, you know, that, that idea is that our food should be our medicine. Our medicine should also come from our food, the way that we take care of our body. And I love what Dr. Henry Wright says. God's perfect will is not to heal you. His perfect will is that you don't get sick. Your perfect will. I mean, that was the will here. The here. And this, if y'all don't realize, this is the garden. Right? I keep on going here. I don't know why, but this is creation, like right here. All right? But this is the garden. And he healed at the beginning of the time. It was because that was his will. His will was for you to be well and to walk in wellness with him. Throughout the garden. And so I, I want to share a little story. I like to make fun. I like to laugh a little bit. Um, when I was in college, I was in um, college with some guys who uh, were um, also religion majors with me. And we roomed together. But they were basketball, uh, baseball players, rather. Um, they were baseball players. Um, and they had um, just amazing influence on our campus. But they were healthy. Very healthy. They were tone. Let me show you a picture of them. All right. Those guys, I mean, they, they were, when I met them, I mean, they were even bigger than this. This is a modern day picture of them. Um, and they, they would just work out. They do CrossFit and stuff still. And I remember, we, and I was actually pretty decent shape back then. I was a ba basketball player myself. Um, so I was not as, as uh, fat as I am now. Um, and, but I was overall better health, and we were joking around, and, and just, uh, this is Davey. Um, Davey's a pastor in Indianapolis, um, uh, and he is a church planner, actually, in uh, 
Indianapolis, and I've actually talked about uh, Davey uh, several years ago whenever his wife was, was killed, you know, in Indianapolis um, with the, the break-in. Um, close friend of mine, he was my college roommate. And then this is Kenneth, and Kenneth is also a church planner as well. Pretty much if you live in apartment Q in Southern Westland University, you go on and plant a church, I guess. That's that just a rule. I don't know what. I, I told uh, some of my professors, I said, hey, y'all need to like have that be your like uh, church planning network right there on the campus, all right? Because there were some many great dreams that was birthed there and some uh, things that we just talked about and uh, dreamed about together and and a lot of us guys were just hanging out. And Kenneth, he's a, a pastor up there in Delaware. Um, and so, you know, these guys, they were overall health. And we were joking about what we were seeing on TV. And even some of our friends that were um, studying ministry with us. And we got to talk and we're like, you know, pastors get up and they talk about this sin, right? And they call out sins and they start preaching about these sins and and that they'll start naming sins and, 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 you know, sadly, you know, sometimes they elevate sins over the other. But all sin is equal in God's eyes. And, and so then we begin to talk about, you know, there are some fat pastors. <laughs> and so we're like, well, where's gluttony applied to that? You know, why, why don't we talk about the sin of overindulging? The sin of not taking care of your body. Mm. And so we joked about, us guys were like, man, we're, one day we're going we're to uh, create a domain, fatpastors.com. Oh. <laughs> of course we didn't. But fast forward 10 years or so later, here I am. Hey, they're physically fit still. They're very active. You know, CrossFit fanatics and very healthy and conscious of their eating. And then there's me. And then there's me. And I'm not until a couple of weeks ago where God started talking to me about healing and starting saying, hey, you need to take care of your own body because your body is my temple. And if you're going to treat my temple the way you are treating it now, it might no longer be that temple because it is slowly becoming your temple. Mm, my God. And so I started changing the way that I ate started changing the habits that I do. And I'm here to say, I've lost 16 pounds in two weeks. Okay. Just because of making my food my medicine. And my medicine my food. Focusing in on my eating. And so healing goes back to the beginning of the time, is now, and is into the future. So we see at Eden... At Eden, healing was available before the fall. See, a lot of times you'll hear pastors say, and it, you know, it's just that they're, miss, they're, they're just missing the mark just a little bit. Though you'll hear them say, healing starts because of the fall. Well, we don't, that's not true. We just discovered that's not true. There was healing in the garden. Then you see the fall happen. Sin happens and it affects us, right? We're in disarray, we're in imbalance. You know, there's all these different things. You know, chronic sickness comes. You know, all these things, lack of purpose, emotional instability, all these things just imbalance between us and God and us and ourselves even. 
But then Jesus comes on the scene where he says it is finished. Sin and the effects of sin is handled. He says this once and for all. You no longer have to sacrifice a lamb to cover your sin. You no longer have to work your way and live um, just by these sets of rules. I am going to suffer and by my wounds you are healed. But it's by his wounds that we are healed. But it's really here and here that we have to make a decision. If we're truly going to be healed by God is some of our consciousness shifting and being forgiven of our sins. I said that about myself because it was a sin. I was overindulging. I was doing things that were, were not uh, positive to my, my life. And my overall health started to change. And here's the thing. It's not drastic change. Right? When, we, when me and Hannah got married, I was, I can't remember the weight, but I was probably 200 pounds. But over a 10-year period, we're about to have our 10-year anniversary in July. Over a 10-year period, I have gradually accumulated extra weight. So when I weighed in two weeks ago, I was 258 258 pounds. For my height, you know, I probably carry it a lot better than other people just because I'm tall. But according to my height and my age, I should be a lot less than that. And I was, I, I have all, had all these problems going on. Digestive system problems. I had um, lack of sleep. Um, I was so sleepy. And, you know, I always would attribute, well, attribute it to, well, I'm just busy, I'm at work, and I just don't have time, I have four kids, but that's not true, that was just an excuse, right, now kids will wear you down, don't get me wrong, <laughs> right, and work will wear you down, but I tell you, this is just a two-week change, right, and I'm, I'm praying and hoping that I continue to, to change my lifestyle, to improve my energy, but even at that, my energy level has improved so much. And so God, you know, we see God's healing on the cross. But then we also see, you know, on into the future. And now we can experience intimacy and healing with him. We can live in abundance. We can um, have healthy relationships. We can have emotional stability. We can have hope. We can have direction in life because of the healing of God in our lives. So today we're going to look at Jesus. And you're like, man, he's still not done. I'm telling you, this past several weeks, God has just been pouring into me. And I just want to pour it out today. And so we're going to look at three words. One word you've already heard. Okay, sozo. I've talked about sozo um, a couple of sermons ago, and I've referenced it um, from time to time. Sozo is one of the most common mentions of the Bible has 101, or uh, in the New Testament, has 101 times where sozo is used. Sozo is really the word that we use for salvation, right? Saved, we get that. But see, typically in our modern day translations, we just say saved, we just say salvation. But we see sozo in the, in the Greek means so much more than just salvation. Sure, it means forgiveness, but it also means so much more. You know, in our spirit realm, it means forgiveness. But also in the, the soul realm, it means deliverance from sin. That 
that has no bondage to you anymore. There is power in it, and, and that power of Jesus Christ breaks away that bondage. And so you are completely de delivered. And then in our body, we are healed. We are healed. And so that total holistic view of salvation is embodied in Sozo. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on Sozo um, because I feel like we, we, we understand that. And we're, we're getting to understand that. Um, and if, if you need to understand more, see me. That's okay. I'd love to talk to you more about it. But then there's Iomai and Therapua. Iomai is a new one that jumped out to me. Uh, and Therapua as well. Iomai is one of the common ones that we think about when it comes to healing. It's that laying on of hands and that instant healing takes place. Right? You hear about that in Scripture. You know, when Jesus touches someone and they are just healed instantly. Right? We hear about it also in modern day. You know, evangelists and pastors um, or any lay people even going on the streets and they lay on hands and people are healed instantly. It happens. It's true. It, it's not fake. It's not artificial. You know, it's, it can really happen. And that's Iomai. But then Therapuo isn't it isn't necessarily like right away it happens over time it's something that a healing and process and therapeuo is more the idea that was created at the the beginning therapeuo is that well-being that god wants to heal and establish in our bodies in our life and on into the future, that therapeuo, when we get to heaven, there is therapeuo because we are wanting to maintain our well-being. And God wants us to continue to be well. And so it's there as well. And so let's, let's look at it. Alright, so if you go to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. Matthew 8, verse 14. Matthew 8, verse 14, it says this. When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law laying in bed with a fever. He touched her, uh, with her, he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. Man, if my mother-in-law is sick, I better lay some hands on her so she can get up and fix some food, right? So that's what happened. So he touched her, and she got up and went about her normal life of, of probably attending to the guests and, and serving them. Then, verse 16, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Think about that. Healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities. And carried our diseases. So here we are. We see this. I am may I. This isn't the like the word itself isn't there. It's implied. The word I am may I is is there. But I wanted to pick a passage that actually embodied both of these. But it's there because he touched them. Because I am may I is that you touched and instantly are healed. And so you see that she was touched and she was instantly healed. She was instantly better. Her fever left her. So if the word, if the, uh, the person who was writing this would have used the word healed, it would say, he touched her hand and the fever left her and she was Iomai. 
But it just, we, it's, a, it's implied. Okay? So, Iomai is there. But then if you go on, Therapuo, when evening came, you know, these, the demon-possessed were come and brought out to him. He drove out the spirits, and with a word, he healed all the sick. See, a lot of times, okay, we read that scripture and we're just thinking, with a word, you know, Jesus just said, boom, you're healed. That's it. Like, everybody, all right, you're healed. Now, it's, there's power in words. Don't get me wrong. God can do a, a miraculous thing with that. A miracle can happen where just a shadow passes by, right? That happens in the New Testament as well, where uh, Peter's shadow, and they're healed. Right? That can happen. But here... We don't see I am AI. The actual word for healed the sick was therapuo. Therapuo is saying that basically Jesus started teaching them about wellness. He started teaching them about healing and how they too can be healed. And see, the thing is about uh, back in this time, a lot of them were living according to a lot of the laws. So they weren't eating uh, like we were. <laughs> Uh, in the West, they were eating pretty, you know, Eastern style is typically a lot healthier than the West. And so, you know, he's teaching them even how to take care of their own bodies to bring healing to the nations. And so we see the word was spoken and they were all healed of all the sickness. They were therapeutic. Mm -hmm. See, sometimes we need I moments. We need instant healing. But the reality is, is that you can be instantly healed, but then sickness can come back because you put yourself in environments and do things for that sickness to come back. Because sometimes sicknesses, and a lot of times sicknesses, is really about environment. Studies have shown cancer is 90% of the environment that you're around, Right? Um, you know, a lot of sicknesses is a lot of what we do, what we uh, put into our bodies and things like that. And so Jesus is teaching this wholeness. You want to be whole? Sure. You know, he'll touch people. He'll heal them. But he wants them to stay well. He wants them to stay well. And so he teaches this holistic view of heal healing. So let's go on. Um, in Acts um, Acts 29, or 28, sorry. Acts 28, um, and I'll just reference this one. Um, Acts 28, you'll see Paul. Um, Paul was shipwrecked, right? We know about Paul being shipwrecked, right? Hmm. Okay, he was, um, he was on one of his uh, missionary journeys, and he, he shipwrecked on this island. And so he's on this island, and he is, um, um, they have a fire, and so he reaches in to... Um, Add something to the fire, and a snake jumps out and bites him. And so the islanders are like, you know, thinking that something's wrong with this guy. Oh, he's bitten by a snake. And so in that culture, is like shunning, right? This guy, oh, you know, I don't know what all they, they said he was, but then he didn't, he didn't swell up. It didn't kill him. It says that it was a poisonous snake, but it didn't kill him. And so then they came around and like, something's up with this guy. He didn't, like, the snake bite didn't affect him. Mm. And so then he goes to the house. He's welcomed into the house of, um, 
Publius, uh, Publius' father. He goes to the Publius, Publius's father's house, and he's welcomed there, and they're eating together. But then Publius' father has been sick, and so then you see where Paul went to see him, his father. And after prayer, he places his hand on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick came uh, on the island came and were cured. I am I. He touched him and he was healed. He touched him and he was healed. But then you see, he started teaching and they were also healed. An ongoing healing of lifestyle change that brought about change of the sickness and they were also healed. So you're thinking, okay, Dustin, that is, that is awesome. You know, I want that healing. I want to walk in therapy. I want, you know, maybe somebody here today and you need instant healing. That's like God does that as well. And then maybe some of you are thinking and a lot of times people say, well, it's by your faith you're healed. Well, that's not always true. Not always true. I think God doesn't need your uh, help to heal. He doesn't need your faith to heal. And if you... Let's look at it. <clears throat> Lack of faith isn't an issue. No faith. The man of Bethsaida, he was lame for 28 years. Could not walk. Got up and was healed by Jesus. No faith at all. Then you see partial faith. I believe, help my unbelief. And they were healed. Come on, man. You see total faith. If I just touch the hem of his garment, he will heal. We've talked about that story of the woman that was bleeding and she touched him. That was total faith. Right? So faith, sure, it's definitely a help. But God doesn't necessarily need our faith to practice healing. Come on, man. <laughs> He doesn't need our faith to practice healing. Others' faith to even heal people. You see the woman, uh, the guy who was paralytic, and then they lowered, they cut a hole out of the roof just to get to Jesus and lowered their friend down from uh, the roof. And, they, and Jesus sees that, what's going on, and heals the person instantly because of the faith of the friends. You know, they, it says that, you know, using that. Sometimes it's in action. You know, sometimes it, healing happens. You know, they went out and lepers were healed instantly. And so it's not necessarily a lack of faith, right? Because that went through my head, okay? When my dad was not healed, I was like, what did I do wrong? What did I do? I prayed for them, but what did I do wrong? And, there was a, and, and I was beginning to blame internally that it was because of a lack of faith that I didn't believe that God would heal. But I did believe that God would heal. That's what I'm saying. God heals with or without our faith. And he heals in different ways. Sometimes we don't see the big picture, right? Because we're living in the moment. But God wants to heal us. Whether it be uh, instantaneously through I am may I whether it be through sozo and being deliverance from bondage and, and sin and, and being set free and, and being that total healing there as well, emotional well-being and things like that. But then he's also wanting to have therapeuo in our life where our bodies are taken care of and we're healed from, from those type things. 
from sickness because we choose to eat healthy, exercise, and, and do things that are good for our body. And so, miracle or not, miracle or no miracle, your healing can start now because Jesus is healer. Jesus is healer. And so today, my question is, does your, your healing start today? Or are you going to push it off? For me, I pushed it off. Gradually, to the point where I was unhealthy. Like I was going to the doctor because I had issues that I couldn't figure out. And my doctor was nice. She's a nice lady. And she just was like, you know, you need to take better care of yourself. She would put it. And it was true. You know, a lot of it was me. It was me. What I was doing. What I was putting into my body. And what I, how I wasn't taking care of my body. And so today, I believe that you can experience Iomai if God chooses it. And some of you maybe want to be prayed for and you got something that's going on and we'll lay hands on you because in, in the New Testament even uh, after Jesus died and rose it says that you know to go before the elders and pray and uh, anoint them and, and so we'll do that and I believe in the power of in instantaneous healing I do but then some of us also just need to think and, and say hey maybe it's therapeutic that I need to walk in Maybe it's a healthier lifestyle that I need to walk in. Maybe that's what Jesus is talking to you about. And so that's an ongoing process. That's a daily choosing to walk in wellness, walk in healing. And then maybe some of you are needing to experience sozo in your life where you need to experience that deliverance. Maybe you've got something that, that is going on in your life that is, is binding you up. And I've been there. I've shared, you know, I'm a, I'm very transparent when it comes to my, my preaching style. You know, I was addicted for, to pornography from the age of 14 years old on into my college years. Yes, when I was studying for ministry, I was addicted to pornography. It doesn't affect you just because you follow Christ and I started to live for Him. I still had that addiction because I didn't have sozo in my life. I didn't have that that bondage breaking. I hadn't confessed with my mouth and, and started believing with my heart. And then Jesus renewed me. All right. And just like anybody, you know, I have to put up boundaries in my life so that I don't see things inappropriately that will cause me to jump back. Just like an alcoholic, right? They have, they're constantly in recovery. It's any other sin that you're a part of and this, this had a bond of, in your life as well. You're constantly in recovery because you can fall into that sin just like that. But through Jesus and his direction and his healing power, it can help us to overcome those bondages as well. So my question to you this morning is, you know, do you need healing? And if so, let's spend some time just praying and reflecting in that. And so we're going to end the service on that note. Um, uh, Pastor Anthony's going to come up too. And we're just going to play some uh, light music just to uh, play on the, and just turn it down a little bit. And just kind of, we're just going to end here.
And so if that's you and you want to come forward and, and be prayed for, just please do. Um, if you need to, to leave, um, that's fine too. Just kind of step out quietly. But I just want to end in this moment. Um, that's why we did announcements early on. Because I wanted to end in this type moment where, you know, healing can take place in this, this time. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to just um, end, end the service in that healing moment. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you because of, of who you, you call us to be, God. We thank you for how you equipped us to be. And I thank you for healing, how it started all the way back in the garden, and it's all into the future, God. I pray that you would continue to uh, pour into our healing, God, that you would help us to be who you want us to be and be completely restored. God, I pray that you would just be with us today as we're just in and out of the service in that moment, God. If there is someone here that needs a touch from you, God, only you can heal, God. But we just ask that you would just use us as vessels to bring healing to the nations. God, here in uh, Mission House, God, that it would also go on into the streets of Salisbury and people would be set free, delivered, and walk in healing power. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.